welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective podcast. Here to talk some trash with uh, Mr. Weaver. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Um, hey, good seeing you. How you doing? Doing well. I told uh, Dietenbrock that I was going to do a podcast with you today. So he was just like, let me know where to access it. <laughs> nice, nice. I got to get Dietenbrock working on uh, my uh, my big man's uh, footwork and post game because he he could use it. Yeah. You, he's, he's, uh... Dietenbrock was never much for the post. He was just, he's much more of a guard type guy. Well, you know what? I need him for that because <laughs> his only chance of playing the next level is getting really good guard skills. And he can shoot, you know, he can handle the ball, but you yeah, know, I mean, it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm on this AAU circuit now. We had three games out in Concord last weekend, two legit inner city teams. We got run. One of them, we lost 58 to 20. Uh-huh. Um, but Wyatt had like a seven, five and like three games. Pretty good. Re- pretty good passer, uh-huh. actually um but uh blown out builds character yeah yeah i i will say like i i need to figure out how to get a little draymond in him though Uh because he could be a beast if he had that because he's just so much bigger than stronger than the kids his own age so even the inner city kids like some of them are taller a lot most of them are more athletic but he can actually out like outpower them. And then, and quite frankly, there's a level of intensity that like, you just need to learn. Yeah. I mean, you see that. So it's a good segue <laughs> to talk about NBA conference finals. So we had an amazing setup yesterday, right? We had two game sevens. One was a, a two, three matchup. And the other one was a one, four matchup. Mm-hmm. One seemed like a pretty clear favorite. And quite frankly, most of the road teams have been, or the home teams have winning these games. Yep. But, you know, one was a, a complete blowout and the other one was a, a tight matchup. So what, why don't we start with the, the Bucks celtics what, what were your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I thought that you know, the Celtics, they played seven and the Celtics essentially won six of those games. Milwaukee game one absolutely owned the Celtics. Game two, Celtics gave it back to them. Game three, I felt like, Milwaukee was in complete control until the fourth quarter. And then the series turned in the fourth quarter when the Celtics came back and didn't win the game, but had a chance at the buzzer to tie. And then, and let's see, so that was made it two to one. And then same type of deal in game four, the, the Bucks were up for the, for the three quarters. And then Al Horford goes nuts in the fourth Celtics come back and win that game. And then I'm just like, okay, Celtics have got control of this series. Then the Celtics are up by like 15 in the fourth at home and the Bucks come back and win. And so at that point in time, I'm just, I have no idea what's going to happen in any of these games. The fact that the Celtics ended up winning in seven, I, I think that they were the better team just because Milwaukee didn't have Middleton. And, uh, you know, Tatum, after that game one disaster, started to show up a little bit and now could potentially be in the superstar conversation. I'm not ready to put him there yet, but you know, what he did in this series was, was pretty legitimate in the last three games. So yeah. I think that this next series against the, the heat 
is going to be very interesting just because I think the Celtics are better, but, you know, the Heat are gritty. So we'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. If you got to handicap that series, who's the favorite and how do you think it goes? Well, because the Heat have home court. I, yeah, I looked at the spread and they're one and a half point favorites tomorrow at home. So that tells me that the odds people like the Celtics overall. I think that I, I would, I'm going to take the Celtics in six in that series. I think that they split, I think they split it in Miami, went two out of three. Do they, do you go two, two, one, one, one in this? That's right. Because, yeah. They, they've gotten to that format for a while now. So I think that the Celtics will be up three, one Miami takes game five to make it three, two Celtics will close it out at home in game six. I, I think you're right about Celtics seem like they're a better team. I hate, I hate to admit that, but Miami just, I don't know. Miami's like one of the weaker one seeds that I've seen in a long, they just don't seem like a one, like a legit one. They seed. just seem like, like the team that wasn't trying to dodge Brooklyn. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll go ahead well, and, win. and they, and they, and they played the best wire to wire regular oh. season. They never had a period of season where you're like, oh, that's the dominant team. That's the favorite. Like the Nets at one point, you're like, oh, this seems amazing. Celtics just seem strong. Like, you know, we we're talking about that Miami never felt like a great, great team. The Nets were good early in the season. Milwaukee, you kind of always knew it was going to be there. They had a lot of injuries. So they're always flirting with the three, four seed. Celtics kind of sucked until January. Right. And then since January, they've been one of the, I think they were the second best record, maybe behind the Mavs even. And the East was, I mean, some people say the East was a lot harder this year, but record wise, Miami had fit. 53 wins, which is, which is tied for fourth best of all the league as a one seed. So, and I think Boston only had like 51 wins. I, I agree with you on the Celtics. I think they're the better team. And quite frankly, they're the team that scares me more. Um, probably of the final four teams, they seem like they're probably the strongest left, but. That's, that's my feeling too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the defense is just there and they've got the shot making and, you know, you've got the wild cards with Marcus Smart. You know, and they're kind of a little weak in that, like, their only big that's serviceable is Al Horford, and he's a little bit old. Yep. But so, okay, so let's go to the other matchup. This was kind of depressing. Even if you wanted the Mavs to win, it was kind of like the game was over at half, and then they came out after half, and you thought they'd have some fight, and they're down 40. I came back from the bathroom, I thought they hadn't even tipped yet, and they're down 40. Have you ever seen a, is that the worst loss for a proverbial favorite in a game seven at home in the history of NBA? I've never seen anything like it. You know, I mean, you've seen the road team get blown out in game seven before, you know, plenty of times, you know, losing by 30, whatever. But a home team who had the best record in the league, this went 60 games. You know, they're up 2-0 in the series. And, you know, the crowd's yelling at the end of game two, yelling out Suns in four. And then the fact that they even go seven was ridiculous. And then I just, I was shocked. I thought the game started at seven, so I didn't turn it on until 5.30. And it was 29 to 20 Suns, or 29 to 22 Dallas at that point in time. And then within yep. three minutes, it was a 20-point game. And a, yeah. a whole, like, there's zero energy. You can hear a pin drop in that uh, arena. And the trio of Aiton, Booker, and Chris Paul were nowhere to be found. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, you're going to, you're going to go, you going to go Pat Bev on me here? Oh, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, first of all, I don't really like Pat Bev just because he's he just he's almost like a LeVar. He's almost like the LeVar ball of the NBA. Just like wants people to hear him. He's skilled, but he's, you know, anybody who's in the NBA is skilled. But he just like, his ego is so far ahead of his actual game. But yeah. in this case, talking about <laughs> CP3, I fully agree. I love how he's just like, before I guard, uh, I eat a steak the night before I play against Chris Paul. He's like, I go to sleep at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. the night before I play against Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> love yeah. that. He got ripped uh, He got ripped by Matt Barnes, kind of defending CP3. Let's put this in perspective. CP3 is 12-time All-Star. He plays his heart out. Like, people are going to remember him. We're going to be talking about him for decades. Pat Bev and I, like, we play together. We're role players. No one's going to remember us. <laughs> it's like, right. it's... It's a hard one for Paul. I mean, he's quite at the end of his career and yeah. this was his window last year, this year. And to go out like that, especially after he played so well against the Pelicans two yeah. weeks ago, to close them out. And I, and I don't really blame him if I look at the stats. It's not like he was supposed to put up 30 and he, he didn't. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't turning the ball over left to right or anything. I mean, at the end of the day, like the shots just weren't falling and they just didn't show up. Yep. But it's really hard on his legacy because he's at the end here and he's got a history of this. So I mean, it's a rough one. He's got a history like no other when it comes to this. I, I am, you know, a known CP3 hater. And so I went and looked at the stats <laughs> and just for the, for the amount of hype and adulation he gets, if you actually look at what he's done throughout his career playoff wise, he's basically got a 500 record in the playoffs and he's choked away more series than anybody in the history of the league. When up 2-0, when he has held a 2-0 lead in any series, from that point on, he has 11 wins and 25 losses. He's given up five 2-0 leads and one 3-1 lead. And, you know, never, never won a championship, been to one finals, been to a couple of conference finals. But just like for people to be just, and it's one, I, I think he's an all-time great, without question. But for the just the level of hype that he gets for somebody who's never won a thing, it is actually as a choker. It's just a drag me up the yeah. wall. And I think that it's like one, his stature as league, league president for all these years, media is afraid to cross. And then even more than that, the fact that he's boys with LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, it's just like those guys are untouchable and can control media access. And everybody wants to be able to. It's just like, oh, if you cross this guy, you're not talking to any of us. And so everybody has to pander to him. And so, like, I feel like this is just a total false narrative has been written about Chris Paul in terms of how great his career has actually been. Again, all the regular season awards are there. He does play basketball the right way, aside from his, like, fake tough guy, fake nice guy, Jekyll and Hyde thing where he's, like, hitting people in the balls. But, like, in terms of actually the way he plays the game, when he's doing it right, he's awesome. But yeah. But there's not, he hasn't won anything. Why are we talking about him like this? He's nowhere near Isaiah Thomas. And people were trying to say, if he wins the title, does he pass Isaiah Thomas? No. No, look at Isaiah Thomas had like a 71 and 35 uh, playoff record. Chris Paul is like literally 70 and 69. It's like, no, I, I, I can't take it. I'm just, I'm happy to see him choke yet again. So maybe this time people will stop jocking him. The thing that shocked me, you sent around yesterday in the, a text thread 
mm-hmm. that, uh, and, I, and I actually didn't verify this, so I should call that out. But there was something you said around that you'd pulled from, it looks like Twitter, uh-huh. but Chris Paul's now 0-7 in his last seven game seven, That's, which is the longest streak in NBA history. It, so I had not verified that either. I know, I know that it's at least 0-4. I just need to go back and see. I heard someone say 0-4 after that, but I absolutely believe the 0-6, for sure 0-7. So I think it's it's worth going back and verifying. Okay, so it says it says he's 3-5 and five now in elimination games, in game sevens in his career, and he's lost his last four game sevens. Lost his last four, okay. So, or, yeah, and he's blown his fifth 2-0 series lead of career at NBA record as well. Mm-hmm. He is obviously a great player, and you saw that. He goes to okay, o- Oklahoma City team. Everyone thought he's washed. They were trying to lose. They literally were trying to get like a top three pick, and he rolls in there, and they're like a seven seed, and they're competitive yep. in the first round, like going bucket for yep. bucket with a good Houston or a declining Houston team, but a team that I think we all thought was still pretty good. Yep. And he turns them into a winner. You know, he rolls into Phoenix, which has been a dumpster fire for you know five, six, seven, eight years. They had some good young assets like Aiton and Booker, and Bridges. And he rolls in there and they immediately are top three seed, go to the finals, come back this year. They're a one seed, historically great record and season for that franchise, which has been a decent franchise in the 90s and yep. um, 2000s. They were perennially really good teams, but he's got a playoff thing. You know, it's like he needs someone to, to he needs to ride someone else's coattails in the playoffs. It's too bad he never shacked up with uh, LeBron. <laughs> right, right. Or, or if, he, if, if David Stern had allowed that trade to go through where he was going to be playing with Kobe, remember when the yeah. New York franchise was like taken over by the league and, yeah. uh, and the Lakers. And that made was actually a better play. trade. That was a, that was a way better trade for New Orleans than what they ended up getting from the Clippers too. I know. <laughs> so I know. That, that it's an interesting, could have been a whole lot. Different. Okay. So. So what? So okay, we've got we've got Warriors, you know, which admittedly, you know, we're 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 both fans of against the Mavs. On paper, if you said two weeks ago this was the matchup, whoa, that's a great matchup for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But a couple of things: one, the Warriors went one and three against the Mavs this year. Now there were some injuries, and and two, the games were played kind of later in the season during the a period where the Warriors were were clearly not playing their best ball. Mm-hmm. And I was at the game, the Warriors played the Mavs in January at home where they blew them out. And Tim Hardaway actually had his, his season ending injury in that game. Oh yeah, I watched. So they, they look great. The Warriors look great that game. Kaminga had a huge game. It's actually what I think it was one of his like best games at that point in the season. Luca played well, but it was, you know, they they guard him well and they just kind of got out and they, you know, took 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 him to him. But now we sit here two weeks later and the Mavs kind of look like Maybe Phoenix chokes, but maybe the Mavs have figured something out here. And Luke is a transcendent right. player. And my personal opinion is he'll be the best player on the floor in this series. I mean, you know, Curry's a great player, but yep. he's reached that point where he's not quite, can't get whatever he wants. And he just doesn't have quite the same stamina and superhero that he did five, six, seven years ago. Um, Agreed. So it's going to be a tough series. And no matter how well you think about it, like they could easily lose this, this one. So what, what's your take? I completely agree. First of all, I have to, you know, you were hyping up Luca a couple or maybe last week when I was calling him, you know, the white James Harden. And I have to take that back after 
what he was able to do against the Suns. I mean, he was just a man among boys out there. It was, I mean, Harden, you know, not to take anything away from Harden as being a great player in his prime, but, you know, he was known for no D and just uber high usage rate. Luca in those last two games um, didn't have that super high usage rate and he got everybody involved, was playing D and just, I mean, he is unstoppable. Once he, I mean, if he's hitting threes, there's no, there's no way to guard him. Yeah. He, he's got that slow, um, you know, rocker step that he can just, you know, he lulls you to sleep and then he's got that little burst, no matter how slow he looks, he's got that burst. He gets by you. And just once he's got, you know, just that one foot, you know, by your outside foot, you can use his body and there's no way you're stopping him. Yeah. And he's a tank and he's strong. He's like some of the strongest guy out there. Yep. Without question. And so, so starting there, he's, absolutely scares me and then watching the warriors just be so complacent against the grizzlies you know that the turnovers you, you want to say they'll clean that up they've been doing this now for the last seven years and they're just not as talented as they used to be and i don't think that they can get away with the same type of turnover prone ball they've been able to get away with in the past and so if they if they don't tighten things up i think the mavericks win the series just because and and the other thing is is that the, the the mavericks have a ton of guys who can hit threes the warriors can guard but if all those guys are hitting threes i mean it looked like memphis got any shot it wanted out there they just couldn't hit them my feeling is that the mavericks are the favorite in the series even though the odds makers would say the opposite yeah well the odds makers have the warriors as a favorite but all the advanced yeah. metrics, like the 538s, they all have the Mavs as favorites. So it's a, it's kind of a toss-up, but I'm picking Warriors in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite frankly, I don't love it, but it's more of a homer pick. Yeah. To be anything. And the truth is, if it goes seven, I think the Mavs probably win. <laughs> um, yeah. Because Luca game seven, I just think there's something to that. I could also see this being a kind of five-ish game series because I think I think the Warriors have done a good job of taking home taking care of home court. Yeah, and in that scenario, they just need to steal one on the road and and they win it. But Luca looks great, and he's like you know this is clearly like the big step of people being like, okay, Luca just needs another piece or two. Yeah. The challenge I see is I look at the Mavs, and I, I mean like if we were to do a fantasy draft, which is a good segue to the next next segment. Luca's the far and away the first pick, right? right? Like you would agree with that? Definitely. But I can't make a play. I mean, really the next three, maybe four picks are the Warriors. Like yep. I think what it comes down to is you take Poole or Clay after Brunson. I would probably take both those guys be ahead of Brunson just because of the, the experience, the explosiveness, the upside, but it's tight. Yep. But then you've got the Warriors, right? The next four picks. And then you start getting into like, do you take Doria? Dorian Finney Smith or like a Kaminga or a Looney, right? But it gets in that right. place where the number one player, then you got the next four Warriors, and then maybe the next two are Mavs. But at that point, the Warriors five is much stronger than the, the Mavs five. But it's that power it's of that totally. one guy. So it's gonna be interesting. Yep. And I don't even like that. I mean, Mavs don't even have depth. The Warriors can go 10 deep. And I guess it, it doesn't matter as much at this point, but 
it's not like the Mavs have a lot of young guys. They've got one young guy and they've got a ton. Of, I guess Brunson's still pretty young too, but um, he's not crazy young because he was like a 21, 22 year old when he came yeah, out of college. He, yeah, I think he played all four years at Don Nova, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. So, I mean, this is his fourth year. I think he's, uh, so he's like a free agent at the end of this year, a restricted free agent. Yep. But um, anyhow, it's going to be an interesting series. And it really is, it's testing the whole theory. Like you want the best guy on the floor, but with like a weaker supporting cast, or do you want the the team? And I, my sense is it's probably one year early for the Mavs and they need one more piece mm-hmm. and they kind of need to gel a little bit. They need like mm-hmm. a full season without, without Porzingis. By the way, what a trade, right? Like, you know, at the deadline, no one talked about it. If anything, everyone was clowning on the Mavericks. They're giving up. They just wanted to wash out this salary. Dude, they got two guys, one guy that's like become a key player for them. And another guy that's a nice role player off the bench. And they got rid of that. They got rid of that salary too, which was huge. Um, It's huge. Although, look, I mean, Porzingis isn't a bad player. I think if you look at him in the right situation, he could be really Mm -hmm. good. He just didn't fit with Luka. Um, and his body could break down any time. He was never held, you know, you never knew he was going to be out there. So and just, I still like Zinger, but, but I, I like him too. And I think that, you know, in the, with the wizards, you know, the wizards have got some pieces of Beal can ever stay healthy, but the way that he was, I think he was just miscast in Dallas. I mean, he's not just a spot up three point shooter, you know, he's not a three and D guy. And that's pretty much what he had to be there to, to play alongside Luca. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a yeah, he's like a five and no D. Yeah, right. That's what he kind of. <laughs> so, is there? Did they get Kleba for him? Is that right? The, the shooter? No, they got Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans oh, Bert- straight up, basically. Bertans. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I, mean, I love both of those guys. I mean, I think the Brooke- I mean, salary wise, it was a wash. Actually, they I think they lost one year. They saved one year on Zinger's deal, uh-huh. but Bertans and uh, Dinwiddie are both combined to be like thirty or thirty-five million. Okay. A year. But I like that deal because Bertans is a little overpaid. He's actually a lot overpaid, but not terrible. And Dinwiddie's like perfect fit for this team. Like, you know, irrational confidence guy off the bench. Yep. I thought that Brooklyn getting rid of him um, for Harden was a horrible play just because he was, he was kind of a stud. I mean, he was a stud the year before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, he's 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 underrated. If they don't do that trade, they don't get through Utah series. Right. So, like the, the Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie saved him in that series. He won that one game mm-hmm. when you know they kept him in the other game. They lost when Luca was out, but he won the other game. So, so here, what I want to talk about is a little bit NBA fantasy. So we've we've completed our second season. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, you know, there's fantasy football. Well, there's this little thing called NBA fantasy too. And, and it's, it's not well, not as well adopted, but I, I think we've taken a, a step on it the last two years and it's been, it's been quite a bit of fun. I know it's been a lot of fun for you, yeah. given you've had a nice little run here. Yeah. What's your take on NBA fantasy? Like, is this a, is this a keeper for people? Should more people be doing it? I think the more people, people who love fantasy as much as we do, I think it's for them. It is not nearly as involved the NFL, but frankly, after the NFL season, everybody needs a break as it is. You're going to burn out. Yeah. So it's just like the perfect thing to keep you interested, to kind of keep that fantasy flame going. It's something that helps me during the dog days of winter when I'm sitting there wondering, like, when the heck is the NFL draft going to come around? When's free agency going to start? And instead, it's something I can just check kind of at night, see how my team's doing, 
the format's perfect where it's a week long thing. And so you don't really have many moves to make. You make your moves at the very yeah, once a week. And because of that, you know, you've just you kind of cast your die after Monday afternoon and you just got to stick with what you've done until the following Monday. But it's just, uh, it's, it's fun to follow. It, it kind of keeps me interested in, to, to be honest, it introduces me to players that I never would have even thought about. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, that's, I, it's fun for me. You see, so you touched on it. So we do weekly format, change your lineup on Sundays, game start on Monday, super simple points, rebounds, assists, steals we had a thing with blocks the first year it was whereas mistakenly counting it a little bit too much <laughs> we do negative for turnovers yeah. so irrational confidence guys have a lot of value because missed shots don't don't hurt right. you but you do need people that are contributing in multiple ways we obviously know the best best players the like Jokic's, the Giannis's, and be lebron luca because they're, they're you know because in their cases they're they're scoring really high in multiple categories yep. But some, who are some of the guys that like surprise you? Cause they are stuffing the stat sheet a little bit more and they're, they're doing a lot. Um, a perfect guy, the, the guy that comes to mind first. And it's someone who I had my first year and then really wanted my second year. And then just for whatever reason, didn't get him. But Jonas Valdez-Tunis. Um, yeah. He said he is a Pelican, correct? He was a Pelican, yeah. And he was huge in that series against the Suns when they almost knocked him off. And he just, you know, he's a guy who you look up and he's getting you high 30s in our in our format every single night. You know, 15 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks, four assists, pretty low on the turnovers. And so he's just like, he's a guy that I would never would have thought of in terms of his contribution if I weren't yeah. playing fantasy. Clint Capella last year. By the way, he finished. He by the way, he finished thirty fourth overall this past season finished, in, in okay, fantasy productivity. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There you go. Head yeah. of Bradley Beal. Head of Christian Wood. Head of uh-huh. head of Darius Garland. Jalen Brown. These are some CJ McCollum. De'Aaron Fox. By the way, that's a guy I had my first year. Yeah. That guy is so overrated. That guy doesn't even produce stats. He's garbage. Two other guys, since you mentioned De'Aaron Fox, two other guys that I would say it's, you know, not the same, not not the same position as Don Sunis, but uh, who just I didn't realize that they were putting up numbers the way that they were. Or um, Tyrese Halliburton and and Sadiq Bay. Uh, Sadiq yeah. Bay for for Detroit. I mean, those guys, you know, putting up twenty points every night assists, um, steals, don't turn the ball over that much. And so, again, guys I would never even think of if I weren't playing NBA fantasy. Yeah. Well, and the average fan's definitely not thinking about anyone on Detroit, (laughs) let alone Sacramento. Kate Cunningham. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, one of the jokes that they were saying, I I forget where I heard this. I think it was Mike Ryan uh, Rusella, but he was talking about too bad Luca at the press conference and I had to give it to him. These guys passed on me. He's like, I'd love to be able to say I can get, get back at Sacramento, but I don't expect to ever see them in the playoffs. So I'll have to do that in a December game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, okay. So who are your favorites then? I mean, you kind of named some guys that are like, Hey, I'm excited that I've got these guys in my life. And I know about them like Sadiq Bay, for example, in Detroit, where you would never, unless you're a Detroit fan, or saw Detroit a lot because you're in Chicago or Milwaukee where you play those guys a lot. But who are some of your favorites, guys that you're like my go-tos? I love these guys. You know, got a, got a you know, Nikola Vucevic 
has been a go-to. I mean, and you know, he was his absolute stud in Orlando, and then he got traded to Chicago. His stats fell off a little bit, but he's still putting up, you know, in the high thirties, low forties, and capable yeah. of going. He, he was he was number twenty-four this game. year, by the way. He was number he was 24. twenty-four on the top twenty. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see, Bam Adebayo was always consistent for me. I think he was out for a little while, but uh, but he ended up, you know, in crunch time. All my guys were healthy except for Bradley Beal. But uh, Bam Adebayo was always consistent. Um, CJ McCollum, same thing. He's been injured, but you know, was around during crunch time. And then the guy who I, you know, was absolutely in love with last year, who was just a thorn in the side most of the year until the very end. And then I played him in the, all through the playoffs was Russell Westbrook. And he absolutely went nuts in the final um, two weeks of the season to, and, you know, basically help me win the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It was funny. He's, he's a classic like fantasy guy, right? Like in any sport yep. where he puts up a ton of stats, but there are a lot of hollow stats. Yep. So real fans kind of look at fantasy and like, that's crap. This guy's just putting up numbers, but Hey, you're always going to have these anomalies, at least Wessel Westbrook. Like I watched that guy play. He goes hard. He plays hard. Do I want him on my, yeah. Do I want him on my team? Is he a winner? Mm, no. no, but he's a winner in fantasy. He's a winner in fantasy. <laughs> and yeah, the fact that I was able to beat your squad in the, in the championship, just, you know, with, was it Christian Wood who like, all of a sudden gets shut down for the year after lineups had locked. And so yeah. you're playing against me the yeah. whole week and still almost won. Yeah. I had a, I had a pretty dominant team at the end because Ingram got hot. Yeah. The, oh, Kyle, Kyrie Irving was lights out. He actually yeah. was the 14th highest player on an average scoring per week, but only played 29 yeah. games. Yeah. Um, okay. We've, I really appreciate you doing it. It was great. It was super we, fun. We got we got to do, like do fantasy football rookies. Yep. We got we got to do rookie class, so you can you can say how crappy the rookies are. I, I don't want to get into it now because we could go down another rabbit hole here, but I do think that the rookie with where rookies have ended up in opportunity that might present itself. There's a lot more rookies that are interesting this year than I initially thought pre-draft. Hey, thank you very much for joining. It's going to be a good uh, week of, of hoops. I'm excited for conference finals. It's going to be a great game on Tuesday. It's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath in the East. I think those, those teams are just going to beat each other up and the West is going to be a little bit more guns, gunslinging. You know, let's, let's hope that Celtics and Heat go seven and they bloody each other and uh, the Warriors can, can pull it off in five. Like you, like you said. Boston Golden State would be great. That'd be fun. I think I'd, that'd be it. That'd be a good, good finals. So, yep. okay. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Have a good cool. evening. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Before we leave, Bye. let me tell you a little something. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. I said, Uptown funk you up.